Welcome to Abergavenny Baptist Church. Life, faith, together. The Bible reading today is from Psalm 13. How long, Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I wrestle with my thoughts and day after day have sorrow in my heart? How long will my enemy triumph over me? Look to me and answer, Lord my God. Give light to my eyes and I will sleep in death. And my enemy will say, I have overcome him. And my foe will rejoice when I fall. But I trust in your unfailing love. My heart rejoices in your salvation. I will sing the Lord's praise. For he has been good to me. If there is a God, why does he allow suffering? It's a huge question, isn't it? But I mean, even, even before coronavirus, many people were suffering. Devastations caused by earthquakes and tsunamis, millions of people starving, children being abused, bullying, and so on and so on. People suffer. We suffer. And so it's right for us to, to ask God, if, if you're there, why don't you do something? And it's right for us to ask the question, if there is a God, why does he allow suffering? Now, normally when we look at this question, uh, we, we look at it philosophically. And we ask the question, if God is all loving and all powerful, why is there evil in the world? And all Christians will agree that the answer to that question is a mystery. It's a mystery. We don't know why exactly. But there, there are two ways that Christians have understood this mystery. Firstly, God is infinitely wiser than us. I mean, if God is all-powerful, uh, then it kind of stands to reason that he's, he's also the most intelligent being in the universe. If he's the, the most powerful being, he's, he's the most intelligent being in the universe. He's in, his wisdom is, is way beyond ours. And so there, there is a reason to why we suffer, but we, we could simply never comprehend it because God's wisdom is so beyond ours. It's kind of like a child or a, a young a, a, a baby having to experience a painful operation to remove cancer. I mean, they can never understand why their parent would allow them to, to suffer like this. But it is for the greater good. It is for their good. 
And so we can never understand why. And so we put our trust in God, who is all loving and all powerful and all wise. Secondly, no logical inconsistencies. Okay, so what do I mean by that? Well, what I mean is God can't do anything that is logically inconsistent. But, but surely God is all powerful and therefore he can do anything he wants. Well, yes, he can. But he can't do anything that is logically inconsistent. So God can't make a square triangle because as soon as it's a triangle, it's no longer a square. It's, it's logically inconsistent. And God can't do anything that goes against his character. He, he can't sin. He, he can't not be loving. It's against his character. It will be a logical inconsistency. And God has created humans with free will. Now, that, of course, doesn't mean that we're free to do anything we like. We don't have absolute freedom, but we do have the freedom to choose to obey God or disobey God. We have the freedom to choose to love God or not. We have the freedom to love. You see, with our free will, we would never be able to truly enter into a genuine, real, loving relationship with God. We'd just be these pre-programmed robots. But if we choose not to love God, if we choose to turn our backs on God, that has very real consequences. That leads to evil and pain and suffering for many people. And so if God removed all suffering and evil, then God would simultaneously be removing free will. You see, you simply can't have free will without at least the possibility of suffering. And so it would be a logical inconsistency. It would be like trying to make a square triangle. It's impossible. And so in order for, for us to be able to have this genuine, real, loving relationship with God, there has to be a genuine and real free will. The, the ability to choose to, to love God or not. And that leads to the possibility of suffering. And so these are the, the two Christian philosophical and theological responses. And, and I personally find them quite helpful. But the Bible doesn't give us a philosophical response. Rather, the Bible tells a story. And the big story of the Bible is all about the problem of evil and how God is dealing with it. And the big story of the Bible has three key points. Firstly, creation and fall. You see, God has created a good world that has gone bad 
because there's evil in our hearts. The, the, the whole world is, is out of sync. We, we now live in a fallen world, a fallen creation, and it's our fault. Gus says, an environmental lawyer and an advisor on climate change in the United States of America, says, I used to think that top environmental problems were biodiversity loss, ecosystem collapse, and climate change. I thought that 30 years of good science could address these problems. I was wrong. The top environmental problems are selfishness, greed, and apathy. To deal with these, we need a cultural and spiritual transformation. And we scientists don't know how to do that. The reason there is suffering within the world is because there is selfishness and greed within our hearts. So you see, we, we are the, the ultimate root cause of all suffering in the world, even diseases and natural disasters. Often people will say to me, well, why doesn't God just wipe out evil? Well, if he did, he would have to wipe out me because there's selfishness and greed within my heart. Secondly, Jesus and the cross. God doesn't abandon us. Now, God could have so easily just given up on his creation project. Once we made a mess of everything, he could have just given up on us. But God doesn't give up on us. God still believes in us and he still loves us. And so he comes to us and he identifies with us. God knows what you're going through because he too has been through it. For in the person of Jesus, God suffered and died on the cross. So he knows what you're going through because he too has suffered. And on the cross, Jesus deals with evil so that we can be forgiven for the evil in our heart. Evil, sin, and death are now a, a defeated enemy. They haven't been destroyed yet, but they are defeated. It's our D-Day, our guarantee of victory, but we're still waiting for V-Day. Kind of like in the Second World War, on D-Day, the decisive battle was won. On that day, everyone knew that the enemy was defeated, but the enemy was still very much alive and active. It was only on V-Day that the war finally came to an end. And the cross is our D-Day, our guarantee of victory. But we're still waiting for V-Day. And then thirdly, judgment and new creation. Because of D-Day, we have a sure and certain hope of V-Day. Because of what Jesus did on the cross, we have a sure and certain hope that one day God will judge all evil. And every tear will be wiped away. 
and there will be no more illnesses and diseases, no more coronavirus, no more death and decay. Everything will be made new. And the world will be just the way it should be. New creation. And this is the hope we have. And it's a sure and certain hope because Jesus rose from the dead. But now we are living between D-Day and V-Day. We, we are, are living between Jesus and new creation. So why the delay? Why doesn't God just hurry up and bring about V-Day? Well, the Bible says in 2 Peter chapter 3 and verse 9, that God is patient and he doesn't want anyone to perish. God is being gracious and he wants to give time for everyone to turn back to him. And that's the answer that the Bible offers. But the Bible offers so much more than an answer. You see, when I'm going through a tough time, when I'm really struggling, I don't need an answer. I need something more than an answer. I need hope. I need to know that I'm able to get through this. I need to know that there's, there's something at the end of the suffering. I need hope. And that's what the Bible offers. The Bible gives us hope. And the Bible shows us how to respond when we're going through suffering. It shows us how to live now. So how should we live now? Well, firstly, with honesty. We need to be, be honest about the way we feel. We need to tell God exactly how we feel. God can handle our honesty. That's why one third of the Psalms are Psalms of lament. If you don't have the words to express how you're feeling, well, then use a psalm of lament as your prayer. A psalm like Psalm 6 and, and verse 2 and 3, which says, Have mercy on me, Lord, for I am weak. Heal me, Lord, for my bones are in agony. My soul is in deep anguish. How long, Lord? How long? Well, Psalm 10, which starts with the question, why, Lord, do you stand far off? Why do you hide yourself in times of trouble? Or Psalm 13, which starts with the question, How long, Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? Be honest about your feelings. Be honest with God. He can handle your honesty. And then secondly, we need to live with hope. Hope, knowing that God understands. God understands what you're going through because he himself went through it. In Jesus, he too suffered and experienced death on a cross. He understands. Hope, knowing that God is present with you. 
He's there comforting you and strengthening you. You see, Jesus promises to be with us until the very end of this age. And nothing can separate us from the love of God. And when we're going through times of trouble, God will comfort us. And his grace is sufficient. Hope, knowing that God has a purpose. God will use our suffering to develop our character, to to remove the evil within our hearts. And God will use our suffering so that we can comfort others, so that we can minister to other people. Now, this doesn't mean that God has caused your suffering or, or that God wants you to suffer. No. But it does mean that God will use our suffering for a purpose. And then finally, hope knowing that one day God will make all things right. God will judge all evil. He will wipe away every tear. There will be no more suffering, no more disease, no more illness, no more death or decay. Everything will be made new. New creation. And we will get to live with God in this new perfect world forever. This is the hope we have. And this is a sure and a certain hope because Jesus rose from the dead. Jesus conquered death. And so this is a sure and certain hope for everyone who puts their faith in Jesus. You see, when I'm going through a tough time, when I'm really struggling, I don't need answers. I don't really need to know why. Having the answers is helpful, but I need something far more than the answers. I need hope. I need to know that I can get through the suffering. I need to know that there's something beyond the suffering. I need to know that there's a light at the end of the tunnel. And the Bible gives us hope. Knowing that God understands because he too has been through it. Knowing that God is with me and his love surrounds me and strengthens me. Knowing that one day I'll get to live with God in his new perfect world. Gives me hope. Gives me hope to carry on. I know this is a huge and and, and a really emotional topic, and we've barely scratched the surface. But can I encourage you to put your trust in God and to know the promise of God that he promises to be with you? And that one day, all those who put their faith in Jesus will get to live with God forever in his new perfect world where there will be no death, no suffering, no crying or pain, but everything will be made new. This is the hope we have. Do you need to receive this hope Fresh today? 
Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you're not a God who remains aloof. You're not a God who remains distant. But you come and you draw near to us. We thank you you're not a God who just gives up on creation. Once we made a mess of everything, you don't just give up on us, but you... You remain committed to us. You still believe in us and you love us and you come to us and you identify with us. And you suffer with us. You don't only suffer for us, but you suffer with us. And you draw near to us and you weep with us. And you comfort us. And you strengthen us. And your love surrounds us. And I thank you that you came and you dealt with the mess. You took all the mess upon yourself. You cleaned it up. And you make everything new. We thank you for that hope. We thank you that one day we can live in the world the way, just the way it should be because of what you did for us. And so we say, blessed be the name of the Lord. Amen. For more information, please visit our website at abergavennybaptist.co.uk.